Yesterday, I got, uh, we had a great day. We went over to, uh, what do they call that, the Heritage Festival? Is that what it's called? Mount Heritage. Okay, all right. Uh, all I know is there's a bunch of people playing some music like we just heard, which was great, and a bunch of people selling a bunch of food and some crafts and stuff, and everybody was walking around and having a good old time. And that was a great day for us. But I want to tell you about something that happened. I'm not going to tell you everything that happened because we don't have all day because it was a great day. Have you ever seen something and it was obvious what it was to you? Has that ever happened to you in your life? You just look at something and you're just like, I know what that is. And it got your attention for whatever reason it was. Well, that happened to me yesterday. Uh, Mr. Tommy and uh, Debbie, my wife and I were driving at the campus over there. And we were driving. They were showing us around the campus or whatever. And I look, and I'm looking at everything since we just moved here. I'm looking at everything because that's how I know where things are. I don't have photographic memory, but when I'm driving, because I used to be a truck driver, that's how I know how to get around. I just go do it. And I looked at this house, and I saw what I've seen before when I've been called to fires with the fire department when I was doing firefighting work back in Martin County. When you show up, there's, sm there's smoke coming out of the rafters and off the top of the ridge of the house. And usually that means there's fire in the roof, right? So we're driving down the road, just talking and having a good old time, and I look over and there's smoke coming off of the roof of this house. It was smoke coming right off the roof, and it was coming out of the sides, like I've seen so many times before, and it's coming right on the top of the roof, along the roof, it's just kind of slowly coming up there. And the mistake I made was it wasn't dark enough smoke, now that I've had time to think about it. But in the, in the moment, I was like, I think that house is on fire. And the fire department wasn't there. We were just driving by, and I thought, the first, my first thought was, this house is on fire. We need to go see if anybody's in there. That was my first thought. And we, we were talking about it in that moment. And, we kept, and he was slowly rolling by, and we were looking and looking. And all at the same time, we looked, and in the back porch, they got this smoker grill going, man. They got some smoke coming out of this grill. It was rolling up over the house. So what I thought I saw... It wasn't what I saw. I was positive that that house was on fire because I had seen similar things like it in the past that was a house on fire. The good thing is nobody's house was on fire. The better thing was they were cooking barbecue over there <laughs> and I almost made him turn the truck around. I was like, look, we got to go back there, man. We got to make sure everybody's okay. <laughs> we got to do something. I told him, I said, I tell him I'm some long-lost cousin or something. <laughs> We're going to get us something to eat. I want, you to, I want you to think about, as we move forward as a, as a church, it's not about anything other than what God wants. Right? It's never about anything more than what God wants. Nothing less, nothing more. No, everything, everything that God wants. Now, here's where we fall apart. We, people... We always confuse, I won't say always, we many times confuse what we want and what God wants. And we have somehow over the years of creation become masters at justifying that it's God's way. And it's really not so much God's way, but what our, we want our way to be. So nobody here, no, not, not particularly this church, just people in general around the world. We need to seek the Lord and what his way is and what he wants in our response to things that we see. 
Because it wasn't wrong for us to think maybe we need to stop and help somebody when we saw that smoke on that house. And I don't think it was wrong for me to want to go back and join in on that barbecue meal either. <laughs> Make sense? But it is wrong for me to just run off and do stuff without talking to God, without giving him the credit, and sometimes blaming him, right? So let's, let's start there. With, we're going to talk about Nehemiah this morning, the first chapter, all right? We're going to read out of the first chapter, and we're going to see some things about Nehemiah and what he saw, all right? Because there's a vision that was involved in this whole situation with Nehemiah. Most of you, I hope, uh, are studying your Bible and you know about Nehemiah and you might know some of what the story is about, if not all of it, right? And what, on all, all the things that happened there. So we're going to kind of look at it and see about what can we learn from Nehemiah as we move forward together as a church and as we move forward together in the kingdom of God and how we can play a part in that, Right? Because if I say to y'all, how many of y'all want to glorify God with your life? I think all y'all would raise your hand. And if I say to y'all, you love God more than anything in the world, I think y'all would agree. Okay, so we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can do to stay in line with what we know we believe. We talked about Sunday school. If you were here, we talked about how we know what the right thing to do is. We even have God's guidance in, in knowing what to do, what not to do, yet somehow we still fail. Right? And that's where we praise God for Jesus and grace, forgiveness. Because just because we mess up doesn't mean we can't start over. Doesn't mean we can't get picked back up and try it again. There was a preacher that told a story about a, a, a little boy that was playing baseball with his team, and they, they, were, they were losing like 15 or 20 to nothing in the first inning, him and his team. Right? And it this kid wasn't in the game at the time, and a man walked over to him to talk to him about it. He's like, what's going on? How come y'all are losing? He's like, well, but it's not, we're not getting them out. We can't get them out. And he said, well, I hate that you have to be losing so bad. How do you deal with it? And he said, well, we haven't got the bat yet. It's not our turn to bat yet. So you can sit in the dugout and have a pity party because you're losing, or you can wait for it's your turn to bat. It's all perspective. It's all what you see. See, vision is just simply about what you see. And maybe even more so about what God is trying to show you. Make sense? Because I saw a house that was on fire that wasn't on fire. Now, I want you to keep that picture in mind because sometimes you see what might be a bad situation and it's God doing something great. You can praise God for barbecue. It's okay. Right? That's a great thing. We, just if it was a bad situation, I, if I just left it to the bad situation and he did stop, I'd have kicked that door in and went and looked for people if they didn't answer the door. Right? Because you don't want somebody in there sleeping, passed out or injured, trying to help. And that would have been the wrong thing to do because they're back there cooking barbecue and now somebody's kicking their door in. <laughs> it's important that we see what, what's there and not what the smoke is showing us. Right? Don't get fooled by the smoke when you're looking for what God has for you in your life and what God has for you in your family and what God has for you in this church. Verse 1, chapter 1. 
the words of Nehemiah, son of uh, Hekeliah, Hekeliah, in the month of Kislev, in the, 20, in the 20th year, while I was in the uh, citadel of Susa, uh, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came uh, from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that uh, survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. All right, so, so Nehemiah is in a different place than where he's from because of the problems that Israel had with God, ultimately. And they were scattered. And they were in different places, and he had been living there for a, a long time. And he actually is now serving the king. He is the cupbearer to the king in, in, in the land that, that which he lives. What the cupbearer does is he brings the king what, his food and drinks. And he takes tastes of, of it to make sure it's not poisoned. Kind of a, a cush job, really, because you're like right next to the king, and you're kind of blessed there. Except the only downfall is you might die. If for somebody's trying to poison the king, it's going to be you, right? But here he is, and his some brothers come along, and they have been out there. And he wants to know about his home. He wants to know about his people. How are my people doing? What's going on over there? Because he knows there's bad situations. So he says to them, uh, verse three says, "They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back and are back in the province uh, are in great trouble and disgrace." The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Mark's, put a little mark there and ask yourself, have you ever felt like that over something that's wrong in the kingdom of God or wrong in the world in reference to the kingdom of God? Have you ever, have you ever uh, mourned and fasted over someone's salvation? Or some spiritual issues going on in somebody's life or your life or, or the church, right? Are we ever getting there? Verse 5 says, Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. Is praying before you, day, uh, before you day and night. For your servants, the people of Israel, I confess the sins we Israelite, uh, Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. Uh, reflecting back to last week's sermon about the Christian prayer life, right? This is how you approach God. This is how you approach the holy God who created everything, including us. The holy God who sent Jesus to die because we messed everything up. This is how you approach holiness. On your face. In humble reverence to him in the blood of Christ. Right? This is our God. And he's approaching God in repentance, in, in, in mournful uh, state of heart over what he has uh, heard, what he, has, he sees is happening. Verse 7, he says, We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, laws you gave your servant Moses, which is a total con uh, contrast to what we studied in Sunday school when Adam and Eve started blaming God and everybody else but themselves. And here's Nehemiah talking to God and saying, It's all our fault. We don't even deserve. I don't even deserve for you to listen to me right now. But I'm going to say it anyway because I believe that you're the kind of God that will hear me regardless. Right? Isn't that a great God? This is not, that's our Lord. That's the God that you and I talk to about everything in life. That's the God that I'm trying to help you be encouraged about when we seek where we're going as a body of Christ, as a, as a, as a body of believers in the kingdom of God, so that we can honor him, so that we can bring glory to him, so that other people will meet him. 
so that they too can realize they need him as much as we do. Verse 8, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations, which is how they got where they are. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are uh, at the farthest uh, horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the peace, uh, excuse me, the place I have uh, chosen as a dwelling for my name. And by the way, uh, all he's doing is uh, telling God what God already said. He's agreeing with God. And he said, this is all in his prayer time. He says, they are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in, the, uh, in revering your name. Notice he says, those who delight in revering your name. Those who take joy and pleasure and honor in treating him like the holy God that he is. Instead of treating him like some fast food restaurant who owes you something because you showed up. Drastic differences, isn't it? So keep it in mind how we're reacting to God and how we're interacting with him. It says, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man, referring to the, the, the king that he's working for. Because he's about to approach this king and he's about to ask him for some things that nobody should ask the king for about another place, about what Nehemiah saw and how he wants to react to it. He's asking the man that he works for to do something so that that can happen. So he saw a need. He saw his home was destroyed. He saw his people were defenseless. And he saw that there were no watchmen. Right? How many churches around the world are falling apart because they don't talk to God first. How many churches around the world are falling apart because they're fighting with each other because they don't seek the Lord in this way? Praise God, we're not there, right? Because if we think it couldn't happen to us, we're fooling ourselves, right? We're human beings and we will do wrong things if we don't follow the Lord. Here's what I want you to catch. There were no watchmen. Watchmen stand on a tower and they watch out for the enemy who's coming. They are there to protect the people in the community. God has put put in place through scripture that we can see that he has put in place the position of leadership in every congregation. And that we call them elders. And they they are there partly to be watchmen over the church. To pray over everybody in the church. Pray for each other. They're there to pray that God would be involved here and encourage everyone and make sure that we're teaching the right things that what Scripture says. They're the watchmen so that Satan doesn't sneak in and do his conniving and scheming, uh, uh, lying in, in your ears. That's what they're there for. And that he saw that where he, where that he was living, his home was out of order. And they were helpless. He knew, he said, I'm going to do something about this. But he knew there was going to be obstacles. So let's go to chapter 4 real quick. I'll try to speed through this a little bit. The first three verses, it says, When, San, uh, when Sanballat heard uh, that we uh, were building the wall, this is after he had uh, got permission from the king to get supplies and all this other stuff that it took with him. 
and he's there now. He had made the journey, and he's there doing the work that God had put on his heart to do. He said, they're, they're building the wall, and he became angry, this guy. His, this is the enemy of uh, Jerusalem, and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates, uh, uh, excuse me, his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will, their officer, uh, will, their offer, will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in, in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? <laughs> so the enemies have, are living all around them, and they've known that they're defeated, and they're not messing with them because they're defeated. There's no need to mess with them, but now they're trying to do something. They're trying to rebuild what the enemy had destroyed. So they're looking around it's like, what are they doing over there? You think they're going to do something? We will tear that back down in a minute. And I'm going to promise you this, because the Bible promises it, and I know from experience, any time anytime you try to do something for the Lord, you better be ready that the enemy is going to try to discourage you, knock you down, take you out, get in your way, destroy you, right? How many times do we see godly people in the world being torn apart? Jesus himself said, uh, they're going to hate you because they hate me. So when people hate you because you believe that Jesus is the Christ, don't take it personal. It's because they hate Jesus. And I mean don't take it personal like don't be so sensitive that it's, it's not all about you. I take it personal because he's my Lord. That's why you can take it personal. But it's not offense against me. It's an offense against the holy God who created me and sent Jesus to die for me. And I'm going to stand with him and you're disrespecting this holy God. And then compassion should take over and we should pray for those people because Jesus died for them too. See how it all comes together. Verse 11, look what it says. Also our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. How many times around the world has churches who are falling apart, they try to do something and they get uh, God's blessing on some kind of thing that they're going to do and they get everything in order and they get the right people doing the right things based on God's direction and it all falls apart before it ever gets started. Because they're arguing about wall paneling. Right? Or they're arguing about things that end up being things that they want and not what God's talking about. And it's easy to get there. Because we all love the church. We all love uh, being a part of the church. But it's God's church. Not my church. It's not your church. It's God's church. It belongs to him and he can do whatever he wants with it. Remember last week I said God will give you the desires of your heart, right? And if, and if an entire congregation, no matter what, which congregation it is, if, if they together desire to do their own thing, God will let them do their own thing. And they will suffer. Because they'll wonder why God isn't doing the things that they want him to do. Make sense to y'all? Y'all with me so far? You see what I'm trying to go to, where we're trying to be? 
He, Nehemiah was able to see that there was a problem. The guys came and told him what was going on, and he saw that there was a problem. The problem wasn't that the city was destroyed. The problem wasn't that uh, his brothers came and told him this, and he was way over here, and he didn't know about it, and he wished he could have done something. The problem was there's a whole bunch of people who loved God and knew God just like he did that are living in that place that's already destroyed, and they didn't do anything about it. What he saw was a bunch of people that God loves, a bunch of people that should have known that if they just get up and do something that in faith that God is their God, then they could have rebuilt the city already. See, Nehemiah saw his God. Nehemiah saw that his God can do anything, even if he doesn't understand it. Too many times uh, churches fail because they're limited by their, their size. Small churches, well, we only got so many resources, we can only do so much. We better not do that because we might need something for later. Uh, it's not about what we can do. It's about what we believe God can do. It's about what we believe that God can do and will do with people who are willing to submit themselves to his will no matter what, no matter what it's like. It will be scary. It will be hard. But when you get through the smoke and you see it for what it really is, you'll see the blessing that God is working on in the church, in the communities, in your homes, in the people's lives that aren't saved, in your lives, the ones of you who are saved. We wouldn't have been home until midnight if I had stopped to eat barbecue with them people. And if we didn't slow down enough to see what was really going on, I wouldn't have known about that barbecue. I'd have been thinking all night, I hope those people are okay. Hope their house didn't burn down, right? Instead, I was kind of, I was like, man, I would have had some of that barbecue. We talked about barbecue most of the day yesterday. So he didn't only just see something. Go to chapter, uh, uh, verse 11 of chapter 1 for a minute. He didn't only just see something, he actually did something about it. Right? How many people sit in a church building just like this one around the world? You can probably guess. You don't have to have, have experience knowing this. How many people, and this happens in not churches, but homes and every place else. And we, and we sit around and we always talk about what's wrong. This ain't happening. Or somebody needs to do something over here. That needs to happen. Or Christians need to be better at this. And we need to be better at that. It happens in our nation as well. It happens everywhere. But do you realize that most of the people talking aren't doing anything? about it. They're not even offering a solution. They're not even trying to figure out what can we do to make a difference if it's so bad. That's why I tell people when they tell me I don't go to church because church is full of hypocrites and they all act like they're better than me and this and that. You know what I start telling them? In a, 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 the best I can I tell them in a loving way if people like you would come around and help make it different it would be different. Because you're only missing out on what God's doing. So don't punish yourself. Don't miss out on what God's doing because of people. Because you can't see what God's doing. Why would, you, why would you excuse yourself from what the kingdom of God is, and that's God's people getting together and doing what God's people do, not just Sunday morning, but life? Why would you just protest that just because you're mad at a person? I love y'all, but I'm not surrendering my salvation for none of y'all. And I'm not surrendering my relationship with God for none of y'all. 
I love my wife 21 years yesterday. We're legal. I love her to death, but I'm not. If I have to choose between her and God, guess who's losing? And I expect her to say the same thing in return. If I ever think I'm going to come first before God in her life, I'm, I'm a fool if I think that. Right? And if we ever try to put ourselves first before God, we're fools. Chapter, 11, or chapter 1, verse 11, we just read it. Here's, this is the end of his prayer. He said, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant. He recognizes who he is and he recognizes who he's talking to and he's just asking God to listen. And he wouldn't be talking to him if he didn't think God was listening. Prayer takes faith, doesn't it? Be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. People who know who you are, people who spend time with you, people who uh, respect you the way you should be respected and humble themselves the way they should be humbled. These are saved people. These are people who love the Lord and know him, and he, he knows them. Here's what it says. He says, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And then from then on until we read in chapter 4, God went ahead of him and paved the way for the job that he had to do. This guy that he works for, he gave him permission to go. Time off of work. He gave him all the supplies he needed to do the work. He gave him uh, an army to protect him on the way. And he gave him what note, what's noted in this story. I'll let you read it, but it says he's got walking papers. He's got papers from the king saying that he's got permission to go across the king's land and do what he's doing. Nobody's to mess with him. Well, guess what? We have papers from the king that tells us what to do and that we have permission to do it. And no one is allowed to interfere with that. They're going to try, but they're not going to stand if we're walking in his ways. But if Nehemiah would have got off doing something else with all the stuff that God provided for him, he, he would have failed. This building and everything in it is just tools that God has given us. We don't need it. We just have it. What do you see here at Oak Grove? What do you see? Just right here. And it's important for you to ask, ask yourself this question because this is where you are. Whether you're a member here, or whether you're visiting, or whatever, whatever the case is, whatever you're here for, what do you see? What do you think God sees? What do you think God wants us to see? It's, nothing super, it's, it's really nothing supernatural about it. God's just asking you to look around, consider him, consider yourself, and see what you see. And then he wants you to act on it. Do something. That's why we're having a meeting tonight. So we can talk about how we're going to do that. How we're going to get up and go do something, whatever it is got to do about whatever it is we see. Right? We're not going to come to, we're not going to, come to any We're not in a hurry for this. We're not, we don't expect to next week come in here and say, here's the vision, here's the goals, and here's the, the, everything that we talked about. This is not, that's not what we're doing. The first goal is to come together and pray about it. Right now, that's the vision. We're going to come together tonight, we're going to talk about it, and then we're going to pray about it. And then when we leave, we're going to say, mission accomplished, goal completed, praise God. Next goal. Step by step, baby steps. All right. So, y'all heard of the prayer of Jabez, haven't you? 
It's, it's in First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. It says it right here. It says, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. That let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Right? This is the prayer. This is Jabez's prayer to God. And he's asking God to bless him. He's asking God for what he already has done. Y'all know that you're blessed, right? Y'all know that God is with you as he has always promised. And he all, even though we're sin, we've sinned and failed and we fall short of his glory, he's there and he's our God and he hasn't changed. How can we lose? How, how can we lose? God, look, the kingdom of God will have its way. His way will be his way and he'll always have it regardless of what we do. The question is, do you want to be a part of it and do you want to experience it? You understand, you understand where we're going here? Do you, God says, do you want to go? with me because he's going and these people in this community that this place is uh, built on they're going to be ministered to by God God is going to show himself to them regardless if we participate or not you see so all we're trying to do is find our place in that all we're trying to do is make ourselves available look at the rest of that sentence it says and God granted his request because he believed that God is able and will do it there's a story, another story that preachers tell about a man who uh, served another king and, and the king wanted to bless him because he was a good worker and he brought the man in there and he, the, the king told the man, he says, go out to my kingdom and mark off any part of the kingdom that you want and it's yours because you're a great servant to me. So the, the servant, he takes a stick and he draws a circle around himself. So the king's kind of looking at him puzzled and he says, I've offered you whatever you wanted, and that's all you want? And the servant looks at him, and he says, well, I want everything outside that circle. <laughs> now, that's just a, a worldly king, about, a story about a worldly king, right? But you know what? If you draw a circle around this place, you draw a circle around your home, you draw a circle around yourself, and you ask God to give you opportunity to in, impact and minister to everything outside that circle. Don't you think he would do that for you? Why? Because it brings him glory. It brings him honor. It brings him where he wants to be. It brings you into his will. Because he wants all these people saved. That's why Jesus died. He wants all of us to be growing in Christ. He wants all of us to be with him. That's how much he wants us to be with him. He allowed Jesus to be uh, killed the way he was. Why would he not give you that? If we say to ourselves, Lord, I want to go out here and I want to do whatever it is you want me to do and I want it to be powerful and I want it to change people's lives so that they know you the way I know you, so that we all can grow together. Don't you think God wants to answer that prayer and give you what you grant, or grant you what you, what you want? Don't you think that's our God? I don't see why he wouldn't. Oh, we're not singing that yet. I'm used to having more than four slides. I did that on purpose. I didn't want a bunch of slides today. Here, look, look, what I'm, look, what we're, look what we're saying here. God, it's God's plan. It's God's kingdom. It's all about him. Too many times, churches fail, families fail, individuals fail in their service to our almighty God because they first don't seek him, they second don't believe him, 
and worst of all, third, they start making it about themselves. What I'm going to do is invite, uh, have an invitation right now, right? If you're not saved, if you've never accepted salvation, if you've never accepted the gift that God has offered us, don't panic. Easy fix if you believe. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ and if you believe that his sacrifice on the cross was for you and for me, and if you believe that by faith you can be saved, if you just believe that that's true and trust in that and act on that faith, that's why we stand up and confess that Jesus is the Christ. That's why we get baptized because that's what we're led to do. None of that saves you. You're saved because you believe. We're saved by faith, right? Too many Christians think that that's the end of it. We're not just saved by faith. We live by faith. We serve God by faith. Everything we do is by faith. And sometimes faith means you're moving even though you can't see everything. You don't understand everything. And I've got some bad news for some of you. We're on a need-to-know basis with God. If you need to know it, he'll let you know. And if you don't need to know it, it's move forward anyway. How many, time, how many times have we served God and didn't know it in somebody's life? Nobody knows. Just because you're loving God and you're living for God and you're close to God and you get around people who don't know God and they're like, hey, what's this? Oh, what's up with this guy? I want to know what he's got. I want to know how he lives the way he did. So I got saved. A bunch of people I was hanging around with, I'm like, how come I, I work just as hard as they do? How can they be so peaceful in life? They got just as many problems as I do. What's up? As soon as I started asking that question, the Lord had me. As soon as I started asking that question, he's like, well, you really want to know? I'll show you what, what they got. And here I am, talking about barbecue and Jesus. Isn't that awesome? We're going to sing. Frank's ready. You ready, Frank? We're going to sing, and, and I want you to think about it. Salvation is the most important thing. You can't do anything without Jesus in your life. You can pretend. You can try. You can whatever. But you're going to miss out in the end. If you are saved and you're part of this church, pray about what we're doing here. Make sure that we're where we need to be so that we can do the most for the kingdom of God right here in this community. That's what it's about. That's all we're trying to do. Don't get so serious about it that you get afraid. Right? Y'all don't know it yet, but I see great things for this church. I do. I see it. And I don't see it because of any, any other reason, but I know my God. And I know what he's capable of. And he does crazy things. The reason I know he does crazy things is because he took his old truck driver who sinned a lot. and still does. And he made him a preacher. Made him a preacher of the gospel. What in the world was he thinking? So I do my best to love him and the world. With his guidance, his authority, his blessing, and sometimes my wife's supervision. <laughs> don't leave here today if you don't know Jesus. If you're, if you're visitors, God bless y'all. If the Lord leads you to come and be a part of what we're doing, then that's great. And if he leads you somewhere else, that's great too, but go and do it to his glory. We hope you stay with us if you need to. Come on.